everyone, and welcome to Empire Building, where we talk about how to build massive empires and even bigger lives. Today, we're going to talk about a dirty little word. And that dirty little word <laughs> is profit. It's a dirty, dirty little word in business. It is. But we, before we get into it, I want to introduce myself. I'm Wendy Papazan. I'm Seychelle Van Poole. I'm Sarah Reynolds. Let's dig in. Let's dig in, guys. Word, yeah. Right? Okay. Well, a lot of people, you know, when you're building your empire, they don't want to talk about profit. That's right. Yeah. All they want to talk about is revenue. Of mm-hmm. course. Yeah. Especially the real estate industry. Exactly. Yeah. Or it's volume. A lot, it's a lot more fun to talk about revenue than profit. Yep. For sure. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Well, the number's bigger. Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 We like big numbers, don't we? We do. And yep. typically, entrepreneurs are geared to growth. Yeah. And yeah. not expense management. That's right. Yeah, yep. exactly. So let's talk about expense management. Yeah, well, let's talk about what's the purpose of a business anyway. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know, I think part of your business is to, the purpose of your business is to fund your perfect life. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yeah, but and in order to do that, you got to have profit. You got to yes. have profit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, well, what, well, let's start out like from a very basic question because I know some of our listeners out there are just doing baby steps in terms of their profitability and, and building their business. What's the sure. difference between profit and revenue? So revenue is the money that has come into the business that's on the upper line, okay. right? That's mm-hmm. all of the money that has come in through sales, right? right? So, and so um, if you're in real estate, it's all your commission checks. Yeah, right. so like gross commission checks. So yeah, all your right. commission checks added on together Before you is pay your any expenses, yep. before you pay any salespeople, just straight to the company or to you. Correct. Got yep. It. And profit is the number at the very bottom, okay. right? After you pay all of expenses, after you pay all of your salespeople, after you pay all mm-hmm. of your administrative team, uh, you minus the revenue. Well, you, you do re- revenue minus right. uh, your expenses and that equals out to hopefully profit, and right? That's, and that's your money in the bank at that's the end right. of the year, right? Well, and Sarah, Don't you forget taxes. Oh, yeah, yes. and taxes. Absolutely. Yeah. The IRS. Yes. Yeah, 30, so, 30 yeah. to 40% right there of everything right. you make. Yeah. Well, and Sarah, you said a great word, which is a lot of businesses act as if it's hopefully profit at the end of the day, right? And yes. so what we're going to talk about today is instead of moving from hopefully profit to purposefully profit, Correct. right? Yeah. That's really where we yep. want to go. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So the first and foremost thing that you have to master is really expense management. Expense management. Mm, right. Yeah. Yeah. Making sure you're aligned with your expenses. And that's not it's not that fun. No. No. Nobody's like, woohoo, let's go get some drinks and manage our expenses. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish when we were sitting in Starbucks with Mr. Trey and we were doing expense management, there was like maybe it was like an Irish car yes. bomb or something other than just straight coffee. Because yes. you need it after a little while. Yep. It's not <laughs> so fun. how did you guys start with expense management? What did you do? Well, I would say my profit and loss journey started, uh, you know, my business grew very rapidly. Yeah. did. And uh, I was doubling and tripling my business and growing at the speed of light and not really knowing, you know, what was coming in and what was going out. Sure. Yep. Honestly. Yeah. And so I would literally be waking up in the middle of the night with a... <gasps> Mm. Right? Thinking about that. And so that's how that began for me. And that just began a purposeful journey about learning my numbers, knowing my numbers. Mm. Because, you know, I'm like a lot of people, I, you know, I I didn't go to business school. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. I don't particularly like numbers. I never learned about how to read a P&L. Yeah. Right? And so like, those are all the things that you have to do when you you start digging into your business. Yeah. Got to be successful. Well, and, you know, Wendy, you were bringing up in major corporations, right? There is a very small percentage of CEOs in Fortune 500 companies that are women. Yeah, there was just an article written about that. Yeah. Yeah. So why do you guys think that is? 
Well, this part, I mean, there's probably lots of reasons. Yeah. Uh, but one of the reasons this article was speculating was that women tend to gravitate more towards the people mm-hmm. uh, like VP of marketing or right. chief marketing officer or head of HR. And none of those positions really have control over the money or right. the P&L. And typically, once you get to the CEO level, they want to see how you can manage the money. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So if you guys are going to become an empire builder, right? This is one of those basic skills that you mm-hmm. need to master and yes. just understand that it's a journey. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's not necessarily a fun journey, but it's a journey. No, it's a necessary one though. Yeah. It is. And what I was saying to yeah. these guys earlier is, is that I think especially women... We, I hear a lot of women say, oh, I'm not good with numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't like numbers. I let my partner deal with that. They pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had my sister-in-law say to me once that she, every, every person that she knew where the wife paid the bills ended in divorce. Mm, she, wow. actually, she actually told that to me. Wow. And she may even still believe that. Wow. Um, and, and that's not like her. Yeah. And I pay the bills in the family. Yeah. Um, and so that was always a little disheartening. And yet at the end of the day, um, I went to, I had the pleasure of going to the four-day MBA. Keith mm-hmm. Cunningham hosts, hosts a, a four-day MBA. And it's a huge investment. It costs $7,000 to go. Yeah. And when I was there, I realized, wow, there's, there's mostly men in this room and my aha from that was was that all of these men are working on becoming better at numbers. Yeah. All of these men are yep. here working on, you know, it's not that they're intuitive at it or yeah. they're particularly wonderful. And so it's just a, it's a journey for all of us out there, especially women. If you want to become an empire builder, you got to yeah. let go yeah. of that limiting belief. Mm-hmm. So one of the things uh, with my my sort of business journey is I got really good at learning the PL, right? Yeah. And then uh, two or three years ago, when my business started growing fast and like millions more in revenue each year, I was having those moments of not not necessarily I didn't know what was coming in and out. I felt inadequate, like not skilled enough to handle Mm -hmm. this kind of money. Interesting. Right? And, And I was like, I need someone to help me. I need someone to come alongside me in terms of making these decisions. I... I almost had one of those moments of like, do I need to step down and hire a CEO mm. that's more wow. capable of knowing wow. how to handle this kind of money that's coming in and the, the expenses. I remember when our payroll got to like six figures a, a month. Wow. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that was a scary time, scary. right? When we hit that yeah. number. Yeah, right? that's a lot of responsibility. A lot of it responsibility, is. right? And so one of the things that I did is I learned to surround myself by people that take their profit and loss statement seriously. And then I hired a coach to come alongside me where their main focus, his main focus is on my P&L statement. So every single month, I send it to him and we go through it line by line. Mm -hmm. And he holds me accountable to the things that I said in terms of profitability numbers as well as expenses. And I remember uh, the very first call with him, he said, I need need you to cut um, 10%. Mm-hmm. From from the budget, and I was like, oh, okay. And it was at the time, like, let's. I think it was like thirty thousand dollars that month. I said, oh, I can figure out thirty thousand dollars. He goes, no, for the whole year. Mm-hmm. And and I was like writing the math, and it was like three. I remember three hundred and sixty thousand. Wow, wow, that's a lot of money. And I was like. How in the world am I going to cut three hundred sixty thousand? That's a lot more than most businesses yeah. make in a year. Yeah. yeah, and so I yeah. said, so I went to my team and I just told them, I said, I made a commitment. We've got to figure this out. And you, you would be shocked in terms of expense management if you just let your team 
team know what the goal is and let them start thinking, okay, we do it this way. We could do this way. And this is how much it would save each year if we do that. Well, I think that goes back to what are your values on your team, right? Are your values efficiency, Yeah. right? Are your values uh, being thrifty? Yeah. Right. I mean, I'll yeah. give you a great example. I have a, a one of my key ops people is going on maternity leave in about a month. And she told me that she canceled her boomerang account, which if you don't know, it's how you can kind of load up your emails for the future. Mm-hmm. It costs $14.95 a month. And she's like, I just wanted to let you know, I canceled my boomerang account for the next two to three months just to save our team a little money, which I is like, that. it's like That's $45. Yes. Right. And which I love. Yeah. Because she knows that we watch that's that we watch her expenses. Well, and if she's gonna take forty five dollars serious, she's gonna take forty five hundred serious. Absolutely. She's gonna take forty five thousand serious, right? The way that they handle the small things, you you yeah. know how they'll yeah. handle the big things. I really so. like too that you're including your team in the PL, that you're including yes. them in the buy-in, not in just the profit or just the revenue, but also in the the middle part, right? Yes. Which is the expense management mm-hmm. aspect of that because without understanding the numbers as a team member, they can't have buy-in and ownership then and the expenses. So including them in that conversation and process allows them to feel empowered to make those decisions. Yeah. And what has help, helped me is building their pay structure around that. Yeah. Like I won't go yeah. into all the all the details of that, but one of the big parts of it is profit increase, yeah. right? I learned early on to be very careful about tying people's pay to revenue increase, right? Mm-hmm. right? You want to uh, focus on the profitability increase. And when they do that, they have, they have personal buy-in. And then they're looking at things. Hey, how can we do this different? How can we help? I mean, uh, Gary Kelly, and how he set up Keller Williams mm-hmm. yeah. is an amazing yeah. example of that with profit share. Yeah, right. right? I it's mean, a, it's amazing. It is. Yeah. Yep. And everyone looks at things differently. Absolutely. Right. When you're sharing profit. Absolutely. Right. And you have to be held accountable to that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you end up saving a lot of money by just setting up their. Well, increasing your profitability by setting up team members' pay yes. yep. tied to profitability. And if you look at a millionaire real estate agent, it talks about setting a profit share on yes. your real estate team there. Yes, and I can't remember what page it is, yes. but that's basically what we do. Yep. And you can set the threat the threshold for profit share, whatever you want it to yep. be. Right. Yep. And regardless of what business you're in, whether it's real estate or insurance or any, I mean, clothing sales, it doesn't matter. The model on how a lot of the book is set up for the millionaire real estate agent actually translates into just about any other industry. It's just the not, mm-hmm. the cost of sales or the expenses might look a little bit different, but actually the modeling is still very oh, similar. Oh, it's the same. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. In fact, one of their books, I think, for the future is The Millionaire Small Business Owner. Totally. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. One of, the, one of the things that we do is that we have a finance meeting every single month. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, me and my mom and our two key uh, right-hand admin. And we have uh, the P&L printed out. We have our bank statement printed out. And then mm-hmm. we have our... We use American Express printed out. And we literally go line by oh, line. We do the exact that. same thing. Awesome. I mean, yeah. it's, it's to be honest, it's my least favorite meeting it's of the month. It's so boring. It's so, <laughs> it's so boring. Yeah. Um, and it's very like detail-oriented, like... Okay, who mm-hmm. paid six ninety nine at yeah. you know? Yeah, no, at that's this literally what it is. And what was that for? Okay, you're like, I have this expense here for four thirty one. You're like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, made a, I made a crazy face. Yes, it's, it's infuriating. Stuff. It is, but it's important. I mean, yeah. it's mm-hmm. been it's been business changing. 
mm-hmm. uh, by having that set time and then all us getting into the room. It takes three to four hours a month uh-huh. um, and reviewing it yep. and making sure. And then we also are reviewing uh, return on investment. Let's talk right. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because all of us are spending money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. For sure. uh, we've Absolutely. already talked about spending money on people, right? Payroll. Right. Uh, but then also any legion. Yeah. Right. Well, and I'd love to know how you create a culture around productivity mm-hmm. and profitability. Yes. Uh, because there's lots of lots of businesses out there that at the end of the day, they're just, they're just not profitable. Yes. And they don't even really know it. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's 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 one of the the saddest things about the real estate industry. We have this ability to have a massive mm-hmm. profit margin. You know, the yes. millionaire real estate agent will tell us that you can have a profit margin of of 40% or more. Yep. Mm-hmm. And most agents, they just don't even know what yep. they're doing. So how do you create that culture? You know, I think it's, you have to reward the behavior you want to see, mm-hmm. right? And so for us, when it comes down to productivity and profitability, we, in, in advance of that PL meeting, we actually have our financial manager on our team who's like a fractional CEO, if you will, mm. or I guess fractional CFO, if you will. She's our chief financial officer. She emails out anybody who has one of the company credit cards ahead of time and has them itemizing, right? Every single client that the expense went to um, and how that went. And then she ties that back into the PL so we don't have to line item it as much during the meeting, but it forces every single team member to look at their expenses mm. every single month. That's smart. Um, and then they CC it back to us. So it allows them to be like, oh, wait, hold on. That was a personal expense yeah. or, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, that got mixed in accidentally. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. And I think it's um, okay to have those profitability conversations with your whole team. Yes. Absolutely. That's something I've gotten more and more comfortable with. That's That has not been a comfortable thing Why for is that? me. I, I think it goes back to profit being a dirty little word. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think the, to- yeah. the topic and the title of this podcast is perfect for it. I think that I had a limiting belief in my head that if we were massively profitable, that that was almost selfish, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Or that my team members might feel like, well, you're making too much and I should come come ask for more. It's totally all my own assumptions and my own limiting beliefs. They've done nothing to make me feel that way. But I had a real aha moment when we put out the P&L one year. It was right when our market took a big correction in 2017 in Dallas. And we showed them where expenses and um, revenue were for the second half of that year, but it was a really difficult six months. We went through a major shift. And our, our team members were asking first and foremost about profit and wanting to see the health of the company first. And I'll tell you, that's not something I ever thought would have been the conversation. I love and it that. was really yeah. amazing. Well, and you don't have to share with them all the nitty-gritty details, but I think um, helping your the people on your team have a financial education is really yes. important. I do I, too. I remember, uh, you know, we're a very like lead gen based team mm-hmm. uh, with an inside sales department and things like that. And I remember the very first time I was like, I'm going to ask. I started getting some feedback from the team as if they thought we weren't, that we didn't mm-hmm. spend a lot of money on marketing that they thought it was not very expensive mm-hmm. on lead generation. And so I asked one team meeting, just guess, yeah. can you guys guess around what we spend each month on lead generation? Mm-hmm. My, my mouth about dropped with how low Right. They uh, thought they did not realize. I mean, this goes back to the productivity mm-hmm, piece yeah. because profitability without having the conversation about productivity, they go hand in hand, right? right? And I think it's really important for our team members to know what we're risking each month. Yes. Right? What is the risk that we're making? And they don't know, mm-hmm. right? And that was eye-opening for me that they have no idea how much it costs 
to in run terms, a business. To run, run a business. business. Mm-hmm. To run the lead All they piece. see is that top yes. line revenue. Yep. yep. Yeah. And I just share with them. I They're said, like, oh, Sarah made $10 million last yes, year. Yes, and they think that's sitting in my <laughs> bank, right? I mean, and so that's what they that's what they're seeing, right? And so it's it's really important for us to be reminding them of what the expenses are, reminding yeah. them of what we're yes. doing. And then also tying that into, hey guys, when you're at the table and you decide to not collect our fee. Yeah. Yeah. That we set. Yeah. Right. Yep. I've I've budgeted for a set fee, yep. but you're taking that upon yourself at that appointment to not do that, to not negotiate. That's hurting our bottom line yep. because I'm risking, I've already spent the money to to get you there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so now you need to do your part, which is to collect our set fee. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so just making sure that we're having uh those conversations and they I can think be that's huge. Yeah, yeah. They can be yeah. hard at times. I think it's huge sure. because yep. I think that, you know, the thing about owning a business is is you're the one that's putting in all the risk. Yes. yes. At the exactly. end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, it's your butt on the line. Yes. And all those people that are working for you, they're counting on you yes. to do mm-hmm. the things that you need to do. Yep. And um, that's why you actually get to take home a bigger slice of the pie. Yeah. yeah. Is because you have taken a much larger risk. Yep. Well, yep. and the perk to, I think, one of the benefits when you work on a team as a team member, having started as a team member first and then now running a team second, is mm-hmm. that as a team member, your net take home is actually a net. So oftentimes, your commission that you're earning from the team, outside of probably keeping your license and your car gassed, right, is that you are actually bringing home a net take-home. And what they're measuring us against is gross commissions of the entire company versus what they're netting. And Wendy, you and I have talked about this. We've had team members in the past that have made and net yeah. more than we did as Absolutely. a business owner. Yeah. As you're growing your business. Right? As you're growing. Yep, it's and totally so, doable. You know, and as we didn't shout that from the rooftops, but we've definitely had years where that, you know, we've had team members net more than us, even though we're willing to take on the risk. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I, I don't begrudge that. That's not a negative. Yeah. It's great. But so let's talk about some we steps. We have to understand that. Yeah, some yeah. steps to take to get Especially team just, buy-in to profitability, yeah, right? Yeah. right? Um, so number one is, I think, how you set up the pay structure. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It starts um, there first. Yep, it starts there, setting up the pay structure to make sure that they're rewarded mm-hmm. uh, for profitability, like a profit share system. Yeah. I think like that's, that's, a, that's a very easy, low-risk yes, way. it is. Because you can set a threshold for your profit. Yep. So you can say, listen, the, the minimum amount of profit I want to make is half a million dollars. Yes. And everything above that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to not give it all out, but I'm yeah. going to split it between me and other people on the team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the... Millionaire real estate mm-hmm. agent says it's about half a million dollars, but yep. you can set it up any way you want. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, love that. But but if you do that, I would counsel to think about the long haul. So right. you might be okay at one point giving away a certain amount of money, but think about when you're at Sarah's stage and you're right. you're making fourteen million dollars a year. Does that still hold up? So just yeah. like, just project that in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just being very careful about pay structure and, and when you're. You know, I know I started out with like paying a per deal type of right, right. situation, which is very nice. And when you're smaller, right, because it's scalable. Um, but it's, when you're little, yes, yeah. when you're little, it, it works. But when you scale, yeah, I mean, think four hundred dollars times yeah. twelve hundred transactions. Right. I mean, yeah. that's an easy way to be out of profitability. Yes, yes. right. Yeah. So let's talk about how are, how are you guys tracking like return on investment? Okay. For the return for the investments that mm-hmm. you're making, yeah. I think the first piece for us is um, the quality of tracking the source coming in. Yes. I think we we well, realize again because I'm not following you. What does that so mean? So we track three deep on sources coming into our team. So okay. let's and here, sources. You mean like leads? Leads. Okay. Right. Here's a great example. Wendy has a client that she referred us ten years ago. Right. 
who then sent us to somebody else, right? That then sent yep. us that client. Mm-hmm. Well, I can track that person back to Wendy, mm-hmm. right? Yep. As the original procurement of the relationship because I wouldn't have had that without that. And I think when you're rewarding team members based on growing their own sphere of influence or growing their own database, you have to be really skilled at digging into tracking that Mm -hmm. to make sure you truly understand what the actual source was. And I think, Sarah, you've done a really good job of that online, right? And tracking online to offline and how you guys have done that in your business. But I think you really have to dig into how did you actually hear about us? What actually prompted you to call Mm -hmm. us? Because sometimes I think we reward in ROI the actual wrong metric or the wrong source. It's important to... I, I believe in having a centralized lead system. Yes. Um, even if it's your agents, um, mm-hmm. having a leads manager, that that's their job is to yeah. centralize all of the leads and making sure that they're put into source. One of the biggest things that I learned from the uh, Think Like a CEO podcast mm-hmm. was when Gary and Jay were talking about the return on people. Yes. Yeah. I love that. That spoke to me so much because right now in mm-hmm. my empire, I'm making some really big hires. Big hires. Mm-hmm. And some scary ones. Yeah. Like uh, some salaries that I've never paid before, right? right? And when you're doing that, it's extre- it can be extremely scary. And I was in conversation with this guy for about six months and I was, I was scared. I knew that he was the right hire for our organization, mm-hmm. but I was scared. And I listened to that podcast and it, it, it changed me because what Gary said is with people, people will always be your biggest investment mm-hmm. you make. And you will know you, if you hire the right one because within 90 days, they're going to give you a return on that investment. On that investment. Mm-hmm. And he said, how you want to look at it. I mean, this was so powerful. He mm-hmm. said, how you want to look at it is you want to look at it as can you, is your business strong enough to sustain that salary for 90 days? you're not risking that whole salary. Right. Mm-hmm. You're only risking the 90 days. Mm-hmm. And then if they're not, if, if they don't pass at 90 days, right, they're out of your organization. Right. So that's all you, you risk. And he mentioned, you know, any good business, right, should be able to sustain 90 days of right. someone. And I think it's it's so powerful to look at return on sources and your return mm-hmm. on expenses, but making sure we look at return on people. people. And I, I, I would even just jump in and say, it doesn't even... You don't even have to think about that kind of return on a big scary hire. That's right. For mm-hmm. most people, the scariest hire that they're ever going to make is their first yep. operational yes. person, yes. their so first true. assistant. That is That's, so true. It true. is the yes. scariest decision for yes. me personally. Yes. And so, you know, the good advice that I got was the same advice that you heard in that podcast. Yes. I got it 10 years ago. <laughs> and that was that Gary said, listen, you're not making an investment of 12 months for this person. Yeah. And you have to hold them accountable so that yes. you look up in 90 days and you've gotten you freed up enough of your time yes. back that you can go and you can and you can make that money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. even if it's a part-time virtual assistant yes. in the Philippines. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Are they are they giving mm-hmm. you enough time back yeah. to justify that salary? Yeah. yeah so looking huge. at looking at return on on people uh for our business we started Having some, you know, key performance indicators mm-hmm. that we put in place uh, to where the goal is for each team member to bring in five times their salary, okay. right? In tracking that, that's something new that we're working on this year because mm-hmm. not something that we necessarily right. track. And where did you time. come up for that number? Is it just kind of five times your salary? I talked to different, different teams people. and okay. sort of masterminded, and that's what it sounded like was sort okay. of. Yeah. I mean, so really if, 10 you, times, if you hire someone and you're paying them seventy thousand dollars, you would expect to get a. $350,000 yep. return. return. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Got it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so looking at that, I mean, that's what a good assistant would do, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you if you think about it, yeah. either by systems that they implement and or re- referrals, working their mm-hmm. sphere of influence, right. things like that. But making sure I've always been pretty good at the sourcing part and right. getting looking at the return on the investment in terms of lead gen and expenses right. that we made. Right. Look, making sure we're looking at the return of the people, people. matter too. Because mm-hmm. they are the biggest investment. And then yes. if you think about the impact that you can have on hundreds of more people, if you are looking at that and see, wow, this one person changed my organization. Mm. Yes. Um, and you can well, and hire th- more. And think of the converse. <laughs> think about the impact one bad person yes. can have on the profitability mm-hmm. of your organization. Yes. Mm. Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. I mean, I think we've all probably had some expensive... It could be devastating. Yeah. yeah. Expensive. Yeah. Could yeah. Be millions of dollars, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so one of the things that is we have found to be super important is just making sure that we have a budget. Yeah. Right. And the budget should be a percentage based on the revenue. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And so uh, a budget for, for occupancy, a budget for all of your staff, mm-hmm. a budget for lead generation, a budget for um, cost of sales, mm-hmm. right? Paying mm-hmm. your Which is what? salespeople. Explain so, that to people. Uh, a cost of sales is any cost that is attributed to that sale happening. Okay. So yeah. a buyer's agent, a listing agent, yeah. an inside sales agent potentially, um, all of that can be a cost of sale. Mm-hmm. So if they don't they don't get paid if the deal doesn't go through. Correct. Correct. Right. Yep. They do not get paid if the deal doesn't go through. That's a way, way better way to say it, Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, but focusing on measuring that. Yeah. Right. So every month we're looking at where is our future cost of sale mm-hmm. percentage and making sure that we're within within the line within the budget that we've set. Right. And so right. making sure you set that every single year yeah, and right. knowing where you need to hit. Well, and not to like harp on the millionaire real estate agents. Uh, great book, um, co-written by Gary Keller and my husband. Yes. By several copies. <laughs> um, but there is a budget model in there. There is. And mm-hmm. they give us all of the things that you're talking about and yes. what, it, what it should look like, what it could look like if you, you know, if you modeled out your business. I was hoping our listeners so. thought this was all my idea. Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you plussed it. Yes, I did. You did plus it. You plussed it. No. You're the, you're the $10 million dollar real estate agent, That's right. All, all of this comes from millionaire real estate We're just going to buy 10 copies of the book. Exactly. And give it to Sarah. You, you get 14 10 million. Million. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> 14 this year. So, so let's... Before we close, let's dive in. I think all of us have been in a position in our business where maybe profitability isn't what we wanted it to be. Yes. Mm -hmm. What did you do? What did we do Mm -hmm. in that situation? I've had some of these calls with friends before. And I I mean, the first thing I say is, I've been there, right? Where we're not hitting the numbers we need to hit. Yeah. I I think the biggest freak out for us has been when a market shift happens quickly. Mm. And because it, it it happens slowly and then What's suddenly. A market, shift? a market shift, right, is when... No, um, I'm just kidding because oh, I like, live in oh. Austin, Texas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you guys haven't had one in, in too long, yeah. so you're probably due. Yeah. You know, it, we've had... We were last to the dance, you know, on the big downturn and we've been first. Like there was a Wall Street Journal article in November after we had shifted in um, July that said... Uh, the housing boom is coming to an end and it starts in Dallas. Mm. And I was like, great. Mm. Um, but I think when those shifts happen, fear sets in with clients, which means that there's a lack of decision. And then the lack of decision creates delay in contracts. And so your um, a top line revenue stalls out before your expenses get corrected. Yes. And you have a good 30 to 60 day, is this a funk? Is this a funk? Is it? Oh, oh no, oh no, this is not a funk, right? And and you have to immediately and swiftly start hacking away at the budget yeah. to figure out how you do it. And for us, our opinion is always preserve people first. 
And so we've made it through two downturns without having to cut people yeah. loose yeah, that are crucial huge. to the business, right? That's the, yeah. that's the that's, one you don't sacrifice. That's one of the can. things that I loved about Keller Williams International yeah. is that during the downturn, they didn't let a single person go. Right. And I think if you can, if you can afford to do that, that's number one, because you probably have a lot of fat you've let get away with it when times are good, yeah. right? Yeah. That you yeah. can go in and cut. But that for us is how we did it, right? Is yeah. then we went back to weekly p and audits. Yeah. Just yeah. like we did with yeah. the red pens and coffee. Well, and a good exercise, I would say, that everybody out there could do is really, why don't you look at your P&L and you cut your expenses in half? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just do yep. that exercise. And then just know if crisis happen, if something Love happens, that. you're going to do that, yeah. that, 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 in that mm-hmm. order. And you've already thought about it, and it's, you're Love not that. in crisis mode, yep. and you just you're just you already know you already know what's going to happen. That's right. I have two rules. That being the first one. Love that. And then really close behind that is you pick up the phone. Yeah, yeah. You get back in it. Yeah. You get you back do. in. Yeah, it. I know that. Yeah, you get mm-hmm. back into yeah. lead gen. You get back face to face, belly to belly with yep. clients, um, and you make things happen. And yep. I've been able to do that by just like literally picking up the phone. Mm-hmm. And spending, you don't have to just lead gen for three hours a day. You can yeah. do eight. Absolutely. Can, yep. Right? Get on the phone. And by doing those two things, you can turn your P&L around very, very quickly. Very quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I love yep. that. Yep. Well, yep. you guys, this has been an awesome episode where it we're has. talking about productivity with profitability, right? Yep. We've, I think we feel like we've conquered the dirty little word yes. today. <laughs> um, so you have no reason to be afraid of it anymore yes. with the word profit. Um, and we want to thank you for joining us on another episode of Empire Building. Uh, stay tuned for the next one and we can't wait to talk soon. Thanks for listening to Empire Building. If you like what you heard, join our tribe by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform and help us spread the word by leaving a five-star rating and review. Until next time, wishing you a life worth living. And remember, you are an empire builder.